0: Tech Sounds presents The Conscious Capitalists. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our latest episode of The Conscious Capitalists, with myself, Timothy Henry, and my partner in making the world a better place through business, Raj Sasodia. Hey, Raj.
2: Hey Timothy, I hope you're enjoying the heat wave over there in London.
0: Oh yeah, it's going to be a mighty 95 degrees tomorrow and I don't think that's anything like what our guest today has been going through down in the southwest of the United States. Um, We'll get to to that temperature in a moment but first let me introduce today we have Greg Macy. He serves as the CEO um, of First United Bank. His role there is in organizing, directing all aspects of the purpose, values, and strategic plan. He began his career in First United in 1990. Stepped into the role of president in '93, and in 2004 became CEO. He also, very importantly, serves on the board of Conscious Capitalism. He's. on the Oklahoma State Chamber of Commerce, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, the Oklahoma State University Foundation, and Imagine Durant. He's also an active member of the YPO and the Gold and Victory Life Church. In 2008, Ernst & Young named Greg their Southwest Region Entrepreneur of the Year. So I could go on, and there's many things there. He's also the proud father of three children, and very active in his local community greg thank you so much for joining us today great great to be here and i have to sort of do a little fanboy thing here at the beginning which is you know i've really since the moment i met greg um which is now probably close to seven or eight years ago maybe even longer i've always been impressed by his sincerity and how he takes the thoughts into action so we're going to have a very practical discussion of what's it like to bring conscious capitalism to life inside a financial services institution and a wonderful bank that covers Oklahoma and Texas. So with that, Greg, welcome. Good to be here. And maybe start with something that I that I've always I, I love the way you've expressed it, but let's start with the purpose of First United. As I understand it, it's to inspire and empower. Um, others to spend life wisely. So say a little bit about how you got to that purpose and what it means to you.
1: No, it's a little bit about our culture and you know, our culture uh, values. We talk about love and impact and how do you have impact on other folks? And and so if we think about uh, inspiration, you know, how do I encourage someone? How, how can I be an encouragement to my community? How can I be an encouragement to my employees, to, to my customers? And, and so we can encourage them and empowerment is about giving uh, everyone some tools that they can do something with. So if we encourage them, give them the tools, and then we're allowing people to actually, uh, you know, hopefully foster a better life. And so that's that's really the heart of the, of our, the organization is, is just making impact uh, through love to other, uh, other people. And, you know, years ago, we were trying to figure out how to actually describe spend life wisely. And, and so we were... Um, trying to figure out, you know, what's the right words to use and, and what does that really mean? And so we we're, were really trying to figure out how do we actually have have our customers have finance, be grounded in good financial wisdom. And it could be a consumer, it could be a commercial business. And we know having a good financial base is really important to, to everyone. And so that that was, that was the journey we went down. And inside the culture, uh, we were always a faith-based culture. And we also really cared about people's development as human beings. And so, what you know, what's your personal development plan? And then we also were into like wellness and fitness. And I had, had a director one day said, Greg, if we're really a stakeholder company and we really care about spend life wisely, why would we not give all that to all of our stakeholders? And so today, as you walk into to our, our lobbies, you'll, you know, you'll see displays of books that we actually give away to our customers on faith. Uh, books we give away on personal development and wellness and of course financial wisdom and so that, that's that's kind of the tenets behind what we call the four tenets behind Spinlock life wisely and in encouragement of others being a, a conscious capitalist uh, others is, is talking about all five stakeholders of our primary
0: stakeholders i love it and Beyond just having a purpose and starting to describe it in the culture, one of the things that I always find fascinating, because people often get the purpose to culture piece, that you know, people sort of intuitively understand. But what's more difficult sometimes is how you link purpose to the strategy of the business. And so I'm curious, you know, how do you make purpose matter in that way by using it to direct and maybe play a role and form your strategy? Yeah, that, that's a great question.
1: And, I, and I've often thought that's always a uh, missing connection. A lot of people don't really connect to because if our intentions are, you know, here's, here's what we intend to do. Here's the way we t- intend to behave, but to do what, right? To doing what is the strategy of what we're trying to execute. And if we're trying to execute, uh, we, we use a word called serve. Uh, as a way, we can be different from our competition, and it's all about how do we serve those customers. And so, very explicit about that, and and connecting that to their financial needs. We talk about the experience, the service, the speed of which we do things, but but as important is the relationship that we're actually building with our customers. And you know, a lot of banks talk about their. They're in the relationship business, and they're really not. Most, most financial service organizations are really in the transaction business. And, and we talk about multi-generational relationships and having such an impact on this generation. We're naturally going to be serving the next and the next generation over time. And it's playing what I call a long game. How do we play the longer game and think about longer terms of customers way beyond this particular thing that we might be trying to uh, serve that customer in, in that moment?
0: Well, I love that comment of, you know, a lot of banks say they're in the relationship business, but they're really not. And and I suppose at some level, you know, that's one of, I think, the really curious questions in, in financial services, because so often you have this rhetoric of, you know, Bank of America is in the relationship business after all, right? And and so apparently was uh, Wells Fargo when they were trying to push a lot of products on their customers. Um, what is it about financial services that creates so much cynicism in people? And, um, and, and why do you think other banks aren't picking up that, you know, you guys are you guys are really successful, <laughs> and it's it's no accident. So I, I'm curious about that gap between the perception of financial services and the incredible performance you've been able to drive by being purpose-driven.
1: Yeah, and you know, I think being in
0: the, the community bank
1: markets as much as I am, I would say most community bankers out there in this country are conscious capitalists by the definition of what they do. Because most, most community bankers you go out and talk to, they care about their communities, they care about their customers, they're, they're friends and neighbors, and, and they do a nice job. I think when you get into the larger financial institutions, and I'm not going to call anybody by, by name, but I don't think I have to, but they're such big corporations, they're driven by the stock price, they're driven by the stockholder return, and they don't look, they're looking at it in a, such a short time frame, they can't help but start leaning toward, like, let's get this transaction done. It doesn't matter about the customer as much as, much as getting you know, the, the profit in line on a short-term basis. And, and what we know, if we play the long game and we're, you know, we're planning those seats today— those things grow over time. We actually do better financially because we care about our employees, we care about our customers. And over, over the long again, we, we actually make more money. It's interesting to me. Our net, our 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 pre-tax earnings has grown since 1990, at a compounded rate of 19.6 percent. All right, our assets have grown by a compounded rate of over 16 percent. And so the math actually, you know, most people think that all well, this is just like too good, you know, but it's, it's actually like, you know, you know, like if you focus and do a great job with your employees, they're going to do better with your customers. And and, and purpose actually gives your employees the intention of what, what they're here for. I mean, you, you yeah. wants to show up and say, hey, let's all make more money, but no, let's try to make a, let's have impact on, 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 our, on our customers today. You know, do you, do you want to make three loans today or do you want to, make,
2: uh, you know, help, Three three
1: customers
2: want, want a big life decision. Wow, uh, Greg, could you talk a little bit about the origins of the faith based approach? Is that from the founding of this bank? Um, you know, how does it, that play out in practice. You know,
1: it, 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 it's interesting, Raj. It's a great question. I. Uh, uh, back in, in the early 90s, uh, when, when I first got to the bank, I started having an annual meeting. Our first annual meeting was uh, with all of our employees. We had all 50 of us. <laughs> and so uh, and, and we'd bring in the guest speaker. And We still do that to this day with over 2,000 employees now. But what was interesting, I'd get up and talk, and then we'd have a guest speaker. And at the end of every, every one of these, my dad would get up and say, always put God first, your family second and we're third, and, and that just is, it was like something that just stuck about that, that really turned us into a faith based organization. And, and, and we know if, if people put, you know, if they put God in their lives, right, the more we love God, the more we're actually going to love people. <laughs> and, and the more we love people, the more we're going to come to work from a, a, a place of servanthood. So, we're here to serve others. And so, that connectivity between loving God and loving others has been, I think, one of the key ingredients of of our stakeholder model. Because, stakeholder model, I mean, we call it stakeholder model from a, you know, I guess, academic perspective. But, in reality, that's just a servant leadership perspective, right? We're just here to serve our employees. We're here to serve our customers. We're here to serve our. So, I think that, that relationship between our faith, and business has been a true glue for us from serving, uh, serving others. I, I remember uh, way back whenever we, we spent a year, uh, about 12 years ago, putting to pencil what our values were. And I stayed out of the process. We had three people. We got every at the time involved in it. And they came back and they said, you know, they showed us the you know, values that they had written down. And I literally just fell over. I was like, "Wow, that's so awesome!" And I was a little bit concerned, you know, like you know, I always, I always hated the people that, you know, that run you off the road and on the on the turnpike, and they got a fish on the back of their car. And it's uh, <laughs> so I didn't, want, I didn't want to be that guy, right? And so, so it was like, can we really, act, you know, can we actually do this in the right way, and, and just do it through love, not through? Re- that Can we actually just love God and love other people? And, and it's and it really attracts the rock top of customers and the rock top, and more importantly, probably is the rock top of employees
0: as well. I, I love the fact that we're using the L word, you know, and the idea that love is an important part of you know what it is to be human. And when you can bring it into a culture and you can bring it into a, a connection with your customers, it's so powerful. And um and yet there's, you know, uh, we could get into a discussion about, you know, what prejudices there might be against faith-based businesses and, and that approach, because clearly some people will have lots of different opinions on that. However, when you start talking about the word love and bringing that into the business world, um, what's been the reaction when you start talking about that? Um with other bankers, and start saying, "Hey, you know, at the core of our business, at the core of our relationship business, is this notion of love. <laughs> That's our secret sauce." I can just see, you know, that you know. Anyway, I'm just curious. What's the reaction that goes on when you start talking about that?
1: You know, it was interesting when we first started this journey uh, and and got very you know more vocal about it. People thought this this you know you know this is just something they're going to do for a year or two. This- to go away, and now and, and they're seeing how it's, been, it's stuck now for a long period of time. So I think people are just more, more curious about it, you know, versus opinionated about it. It's like, how's it working? You know, what does it look like? And, and, and it looks like all kinds of different. Things all over the all over the company, we you know we we go from basically up in the city down to San Antonio, about hundred different locations, and so you know each one of these locations, uh, you know they they all carry it in different ways, and you just get great stories that come through. We had a years ago, we uh, this gosh, maybe six years ago, we had a lady come through our teller line in Paul's Valley, Oklahoma, and she's crying, and 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 so the lady that's waiting on her uh said, so are you okay? And she, said, she said, no, I'm sorry. I'm having a hard time holding myself together. I just left my doctor's office. I have cancer. And the lady that's waiting on her goes out to the drive-thru and actually craves for her in the drive-thru for her uh, to be healed from, from her cancer. And so I called her. I said, that is so, I mean, this have the courage to do that. And she said, no, Greg, thank you for letting me show up who I am as a human being every day. And oh, by the way, I'm a cancer survivor and I know what it meant for other people to pray for me. And so so it's just, you know, it's just, it's just uh, you know, it's just neat to see how different people hold it in different ways. And the key thing is just, can we, can we just continue to care and love other people
2: every day? Well, you know, Greg, uh, you are an example of what I call a healing organization. And I know that, that that term also resonated with you when we talked at a board meeting. And one of the things I say is that in most companies, what's locked away are two things, the, the ability for people to express their love and care, right? And then uh, the ability for people to express uh, their suffering and uh, their challenges. And if we can allow both of those things to be expressed, I mean, that love will, will start to heal that suffering. And then that creates a cascade within the culture, and I think that's what you've really created. And I think setting the tone at the top—I'm sure you exhibit that every day.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and uh, I love that. You know, as we've talked before, the healing organizations has really made an impact on, on, on my life. And, and how do we actually do that, Raj? And, and uh, I was so inspired by your uh, last book that uh, part of our vision. Uh, vision 2030. We we, ha- we have what we call three core uh, customers. We have consumers, we have businesses, and we have nonprofit civic organizations that we bank. But on the on the vision for our our, our business customers is to create 4,000 healing organizations up in Texas over the next eight years. And, and so we, we we're uh, very serious about that. it. We're, we're actually we have a, uh, we we have training. That is going on uh, for our business customers and, and what's interesting our small business customers have really leaned in to this notion of, of doing that and so we've, we've created a group, uh, where they will actually get a master's in leadership through uh through uh, what we're doing with, with the business uh, business customers
2: so how are you helping them become healing organizations like how are you guiding them in that yeah, so,
1: so basically there, there's, there's a curriculum that, that started, but it starts out with, uh, the number one, you know, uh, uh, the tenets of conscious capitalism. So, so it's uh, 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 a teaching, a book uh, that y'all, y'all helped write. We actually have a course on, on conscious capitalism, have a course. Uh, 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 they're a good friend, uh, uh, Stagen, but they help us with uh, content on just uh, conscious leadership and then uh and then we actually also teach uh um, some curriculum that has been really helpful from a business perspective uh, from the uh, scaling up uh our harnesses work, and so so there's there's a certain a set amount of curriculum that we go through to to, uh, to get them going and it takes you know take them three to four years and it, it just depends on, on the pace of which they're, they're wanting to go through it but it's uh, it's really interesting that you, and what happened was with our, you know, what's happening with us and we are connected to so many customers and they see our purpose and values and see what's happening inside the company. I, you know, we just had some business people that come in, well, how, how do we create values for our company? How do we actually create a, a, a purpose? How do we, you know, how can, how can we uh, create a strategy that connects those things? And so through that voice of that customer and just listening to them and their desire to do that, we started down this road and, And we believe that we can actually uh, turn communities around. So if if we could take the top five to seven businesses in every community that we're in, we will turn that whole community around into a healing community. If we have healing organizations inside that community.
0: So, so Greg, you know, it's fascinating. You talk about the healing organization that you're trying to be and create. And, And I'm curious, how does that fit with you know as the online banking world that's emerging because you know more and more a lot of financial services are starting to be delivered online and i'm curious how you find that blend because the personal touch is easy when you walk into the branch but when you're not walking into the branch as much and you're you're transacting a lot more online, how do you translate that relationship and connection and warmth and caring um, when you're starting to deal with your customers in that in that mode?
1: Yeah, you know the the business is absolutely tra- being transformed uh, before us uh, as we speak, and and, and we believe that um, we use a word, a word called humanology. So this is the human experience and the technology experience together. And if we can do really well with both sides of that equation, we're gonna win in the marketplace. And what's beautiful about it is so much of the process of the transaction can be done so much faster, easier with less cost and less of a headache for our customers. And we actually can, Take that time now and actually use that to actually mentor that customer in a more meaningful way. And so, you know, today, I, you know, you can just think of just all kinds of stories. Go back to the small business customer today. You know, most banks, if if you're wanting to to advance on a line of credit, and you're, you know, let's say you got, you know, you, you got a, a bunch of cattle that I've got financed for you, and you you'd like to advance, you know, three hundred thousand dollars, you can go buy some more more uh, uh, heifers, and and so. So here, here we go. We, you know, you got to call Bob at the bank and say, I need to advance that. But why shouldn't you be able to use your iPhone to, to make that happen? And so all that, all those technology, the, tra- the technology transformation is happening. And we're, we're spending a lot of money and capital on the training of mentorship. And how can we actually do have better mentors in the marketplace to actually transform those businesses into being a, a better steward uh, f- uh, for, for themselves and, and to create these conscious businesses that we're talking about. Uh,
0: brilliant. I love that. And um, what is what have been some of the, the, the lessons learned as you've tried to do that? Because I think there's a lot of businesses that are dealing with this transition to more digital operating models and so what are one of the two lessons that you might have picked up as you've tried to make uh humanology work at your bank
1: i'm still learning you know what's interesting but uh gosh six years ago we we transformed every one of our locations and so today when you walk into our locations they are are they're unbelievable i mean you talk about a purpose-based uh, looking uh, a lobby that's what we have across the footprint today and we spent millions and millions of dollars transforming those and at the same time we're spending millions of dollars over on the technology side and I will say the technology side is a lot harder to build <laughs> than, than remodel your your lobbies and, and uh, so uh, the cost is, is, uh, is uh, a little bit more as well but it, it is it's interesting um, because you know, one of the challenges we have is is pretty antiquated ways in which banks uh, hold that data, and on these old mainframe computers. And how do you actually build the infrastructure over the top of that to allow the customer facing technology to connect those two those two things? And and. Yep. And, and also be up 24-7. So uh, I don't know if there's a lesson outside of just staying with it and, and hiring the very best talent you can find to actually help you with that
2: transformation. So Greg, going back to your journey, so you said you joined the bank in 1990. Now, was your father already at the bank? Is this, is this a family business? Was he the founder?
1: You know, uh, Raj, now my, my father uh, uh Bought controlling interest in the bank in 1987. He was an entrepreneur and uh-huh. and was in the in the hotel business, apartment business, nursing home business. had a, had a TV station. Just a he had bought bought and sold a, a bunch of different businesses and had bought the controlling interest in the bank in 87. And, uh, and I joined him in 1990, he called, I was living in Tulsa he said, would you move back to Durant? I think we can, I think we can grow this. And we were a hundred million dollar bank today. Well, this, this month we'll hit 14 billion. And so, so it's been quite a journey. I, I never, I, but he said, I think we can grow this. I don't know if we, either one of us imagined this.
2: Yeah. Wow. So was this your wow. first job? Were you doing something else before you joined the bank?
1: I was in commercial real estate in Tulsa, and and uh, and then transformed over to uh, tr- uh, whenever he, he uh, uh, moved over to the commercial bank there for a couple of years before I came back.
2: And are there other family members involved?
1: Or my, do- my, my daughter works in the in the marketing group for us, and uh, she's my artistic. Uh, Child and, and she loves and does a great job over in marketing, and she's only the only other one that's in the, in the
2: business with me. And you've been CEO for eighteen years now, which is makes you a highly exceptional uh, in, in in a role that typically is four or five years uh, across most companies. You know, so how do you keep that freshness and the excitement and uh, you know continuing to grow and evolve as a leader?
1: You know, I'll, I'll never forget one of our, our our close friends that we all have, uh, Rick Boren. Uh, I uh, I was sitting down with Rick one day and this was, gosh, Raj, probably 12, 10, 12 years ago. And and I asked him, I said, do I have the capability of running this Mm -hmm. company long term? we had gone from one to two billion dollars and it was like a real you know transformation for us when we doubled that size because the way you you know lead a billion dollar bank you're really making every decision and and that two to three billion is when things like get to where you have to have systems and processes and just things I didn't have a lot of knowledge about and he said Greg are you willing to work on yourself two hours a day for the next 10 years and, and so about two years ago, he called, he called, he said, what, what's your learning journey going to be this year? I said, you told me 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> and of course we had a big laugh because, because we know as leaders, we are the container that contains where the company goes, if we're not continuing to, to learn and grow, the cap our own capabilities, the capabilities around us don't learn and grow as well. And so, you know, I, I, uh, we we've been talking a lot about uh, just continuous scaling the organization right now, and it's all about helping leaders develop themselves. And so, each each you know each time we grow a little bit and add more employees or products. Or services or whatever it might be, everybody in the company has to shift upward in their own development, or the or, or your your company can't grow, or at least can't grow in the right way. Uh, I had the regulators in line go, and they were talking about uh, capital limitations, and I said, you know, it's really three things. It's it's th- there's three things that that really stop you from growing the right way. One, of course, is financial capital, but also. You got to have capability, so the capability, the human capability, and you got to have the culture that sticks with you. And so if, he, he, if any one of those three things aren't growing at the same pace that the company's growing, you've got to slow down and allow you to, the company actually keep up with the capabilities, culture, or financial capital.
2: And I do, you know, your, your growth record is extraordinary. I mean, those numbers are, are unbelievable. Uh, But I do find that there's a difference between a healthy approach to growth and a uh, sort of a compulsion to grow, which a lot of businesses have. And I find, uh, you know, some businesses, when they grow, they actually create more suffering in the world. The more they grow, you know, they're providing jobs and goods and services, but also they're adding a lot of stress and, uh, you know, they're taking away a lot of things as well. Whereas companies like yours and other healing organizations, and Bob Chapman is a good example, you know, once they create something that truly uplifts people's lives, then there's almost an obligation to grow. You feel a sense of urgency that I want to bring this way of being to more and more people. And you're not doing it from a place of greed or ego or any of those is, but as you said, you're doing it from a place of service. And I think that kind of growth is really very, very uh, affirming and healthy. And that's what we want, but unfortunately, that's not what we see out there. Right? The reasons why people want to grow are are different.
1: Yeah, and 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 we've you know even as a company trying to figure out how do you slow the growth down and do it the mm-hmm. right way, and, and it's hard. <laughs> you know, it's, it's you know, you, and, and it's it's like these uh, two competing commitments. You know, of, of, you know, how do you serve more and more people, but how do you also do it in a way that's that's caring and loving for your employees. And, 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 and it's it's a it's it's you know and, and you got, you know, as you grow, you're putting stress on the on the system. And, and, and there's all you know, you gotta be conscious about how much stress that that system can actually handle. Uh, you know, there, there there's a there's an image now I'm trying to think who wrote this article, but it's a Harvard Business Review article, but it shows the development of people and they're being over their skis. You know, and 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 it, you can actually—that vision is always with me because people actually want to grow and develop. That actually inspires them. But if you push them too far, right? Then, then there's a stress that's too much. And so I think as a leader, you know, you, it's, it's just this this right thing. We historically have always said if we just grow one percent a month, that's about mm-hmm. the right pace. Now, here the last couple of years, it's been about a percent and a half, mm. and, and which is a little bit too much, but it, it's it, it's a lot easier if you think about it. And just in terms of how do we actually grow just a little bit this month? And it just, you know, I think, you know, that, uh, as Warren Buffett said, that this uh, the third wonder of the world is, is compounding interest. And so, uh, you know, so if something compounds 12, 14, 15% a year before long, it, it adds up.
0: It does. And, um, you know, you talk about the, um... One of the, the the human capability, and I want to sort of pivot a little bit into leadership and leadership development, because you touched on that lightly, and I'd like to dig a little deeper. And, you know, how, first of all, would you even define what your leadership model is? So how would you define great leadership at First United? What what are some of the principles that that you reflect on when you think about great leadership at First United?
1: So you know, I, I think about our values. And so if you go right back to our values of love and impact, so we, we describe, you know, someone that's, that's you know a, a person of faith, someone that cares about family, someone that has high integrity, uh someone that's a learner, right? Someone that can perform at a high level and actually not only high performance, but man be, you know, be able to build teams of teams of teams of, of high performers and then and do it with a servant heart and so 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 you know it's interesting we, we were looking for we're in the middle of a search right now for a, a president and it's a lot of the, the, the internally I wrote a letter out to our staff and the The question was, "Hey, what are you looking for?" And I just went straight back to our values of the companies, and we want, and you know, we want people that behave this way, <laughs> you know. So, so, and, and what I love about our values or our behaviors is impact and love. So, so we're going to do this the right way. Uh, we have a a, a new um, new officers that start with the company, uh, new leaders in the company, and so once a quarter I meet with them, and I always say, "Is if you come in into the company." And you lead through fear i hope the company rejects you fast because you can you know, there's only two human reactions right love or fear and i can actually lead through fear hey you do this, this or x right or i can say hey this is the why we do this and being doing do, do, leading with love is actually harder work and but the but the culture out in in other enterprises teach fear based leadership and so that's that's to me that's a so it's a real pivot point. But I think your your question is right on target: is how do we make sure? And, that, and by the way, if our leaders are living these values, it it, it, it goes all the way through the company and and, and 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 keeps the culture alive and well.
0: And and I'm curious because you know there's a lot of discussion about levels of emotional intelligence and vertical leadership development versus horizontal leadership development but when you touch on the topic of love you know like how do you in your leadership development help people grow in their capacity to demonstrate that because that's that really does get at a much more human side of things that is you know quite challenging for a lot of organizations to sort of help people grow in that way as they become leaders so so what what do you do in that space
1: yeah a c- couple of different things I mean one is just you know our, our leadership development program so we we have a uh, a leadership development uh a group uh Lori Fightmaster runs runs that and does an incredible job and 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 so there's different curriculums for just you know giving people tools that help them in their leadership. So, and how to think through that. Uh, one of the things that we're super excited about in December, we start, we start what's called Spend Life Wisely University yeah. for every employee, and through that, each employee find their own purpose. So we talk about having a purpose as a company, but we're allowing yeah. each one of the employees to have their own personal purpose, their own set of personal values and then have their own journey uh, with the four pillars of spend life wisely. So so what's your faith journey look like? What does your financial well-being journey look like? What does your wellness journey look like? What's your personal development plan? And so, you know, throughout the organization and our ex- execution map, everybody in the company should have an individual development plan that actually creates this vertical or horizontal learning that you're talking about. I always say, you know, uh, there. are uh, Learning, there's learning, but there's also doing, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I think sometimes when we think about learning, we think about just, you know, I'm gonna read this book, take this class. But what learning is really about is is actually learning a new skill and being awkward with that new skill. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, you know, I had I had someone in the office this week, and 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 she and she said, I'm a learner. I said, Are you really a learner? Mm-hmm. Because she likes, she likes to read, she loves to read, 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 but see, learning a new skill, man, are we really willing to be awkward again? I remember uh, my, my, I have a son that's 18 and gosh, six, seven years ago, he, he got a, a, a new boat or we got a new boat that was where he could surf behind the boat. And I used to love to ski and stuff as a kid. And, you know, you had to get in the water, and learn to get up on on the surfboard. Then you throw the rope in, you got to find the sweet spot. Right. And, 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 but it was so hard to learn how to redo that. That's like a brand new skill to find that sweet spot. But But are you willing to go through that awkwardness to learn something? So, so that to me, the vertical learning is moving people around the company into different situations to learn new skills, just like I was learning maybe a new skill of trying to, you know, something fun, like trying to ski, but but it's the same thing. It's, it, are you willing to be awkward
2: again?
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: I love that phrase, yeah. Uh, Greg, what about the uh, uh, the employees other than the managers and leaders? Like what kind of development opportunities do you offer? To uh, to people more at the entry level at the front line of the organization, you know, in many companies these opportunities are limited to a thin layer at the top, and other people kind of have a high, there's a high turnover and they churn through. I'm sure that's not the case here, but do you offer opportunities at every level for people to find their purpose and to?
1: Yeah. So, so, yeah, it's been universities for all 2000 employees. And so for everybody, right? yeah, for everybody and everybody in the, in the organization having their own development plan. And so, and, and, and so we always talk about how do you, you know, you start here, but how do you just, how do you go through, where do you want to go in the company and, and also just treat people, you know, where they want to be. I, I remember years ago, I had a lady that I kept on trying to promote and she, was, she works in our credit uh, group, and she made me one of the best employees we've ever had. And mm-hmm. I, I kept getting, trying to give her promotion. She finally came to my office and said, Greg, would you quit trying to give me promotion? I <laughs> said, <laughs> why? She goes, yeah, I love my job, and I'm going to do a great job at it. But my number one goal right now is to raise my children, and I don't want the extra stress of of extra responsibilities until I get my my kids raised. And so every year we we have an honors banquet for uh, all the high school children. And Mm -hmm. it's this is like there's like this from that conversation to this to this moment's 10 years later. And she walks through the door with her senior in high school and that was the top graduate of that of that high school. And I went over gave her a big hug and I said, aren't you glad, aren't you glad? You were so committed to what you were committed to do. Now look, look at your daughter being the top graduate from 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 her high school. So, so I think you just got to meet people where they are, allow them to develop as they want to develop, and but give them the opportunities to do to to go go do do what they want to do as well.
0: And, and as you've made some acquisitions, Greg, and you know, um, how has what's been your experience in trying to bring this way of of leading this way of running a business to a new business where you know they they may have had a historically different set of values.
1: Yeah, it, it, it runs both directions. We, we bought a bank in Norman, and I'll never forget meeting with the owners of that bank. A wonderful, wonderful people that own the bank. Their father, uh, their father, father-in-law had, had just passed away a few years before we bought them, and they were looking at selling that bank to another organization. And, and we have these little cards here that that are little trifle thing that shows all the purpose and values. So I'd, I'd met, been meeting with him for two or three hours, just about the tra- about the bank and learning more about the bank, asking all of the other questions. And so we go eat lunch that day and I handed him this card and I started going through our purpose and values. And he looked at me, he said, Greg, I said, what? He said, I don't have a choice. I said, what do you mean you don't have a choice? He said, this is exactly who my father-in-law was and we don't have a choice but to sell the bank to you and 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 so you, so you have that right and then we, yep. we did a, a, another uh, acquisition in sherman texas american bank of texas and a great organization a lot of great banking capabilities but we're not really a purpose-based organization Uh, and, and so we were very intentional through that. That, that was, uh, six and a half years ago. They were, that we were three and a half billion. They were two and a half billion at the time. So it's a big transaction for us. And, and, and what was interesting, uh, it really gave us a way to describe who we are and what, and what we do. And, and, you know, it took a while for them to actually, I think, buy into it. And, and, but You, know, you either select in or select out, which is really nice. And so I think, you know, we, we were able to uh, uh, hold most of their employees and, and I think most of them selected in and, and now they, they love it. I was in a, uh, our, our chief credit officer came from that organization. And so one of the things we do uh, that I actually uh, learned at one of the Conscious Capitalism conferences, but uh, before every meeting, we start out with uh, our purpose and values. And so, uh, so the chief credit officer, yesterday we had a, our credit policy meeting, our quarterly credit policy meeting, and our, our chief credit officer, you know, just did a beautiful job uh, on, on uh, actually how to uh, uh, heal people, Raj. I think Raj always talks about how do you, you know, but, but when people, he, his whole deal was how do we help hurting people? And so, just great to see someone that came from that organization, been in, and he he he'd been in that organization twenty plus year to really grab, you know, what we're trying to do is, which is is love and care for people, and grab that and actually start the meeting that way.
0: And uh, you know, my limited understanding of what's going on in the community banking areas, there's a lot of consolidation going on, and um, you know, and that's probably going to be you know increasing with some of the financial changes we're seeing with interest rates coming back up again. Um how do you look at that when you start to see, you know, you've already had tremendous growth and you you know with the way you run the business today, but as you look out and you know, I'm I'm curious how you look at that world of, you know, we could, you know, be 10x the size in 5 years from now and be even Bringing our purpose to more people—if you know—we went out and uh, and participated more actively or aggressively, maybe in that in that consolidation. How how do you think about that, Greg?
1: You know, great question, Tim. Is it is it something that I really struggle with, and and how do you balance this um, like great desire to to you know change the world, right? Yeah. <laughs> You know, and like everything else, we just look at it from the stakeholder tree, right? So, so you know what? You know, if if we grow too much, Dawson, also in the, we don't deliver the services we have. We we have a commitment to these three hundred thousand customers we have. So we just go start growing for growth's sake. I'm saying we we're not serving them the right way. We might not be loving, and, and, and maybe we're pushing too much pressure to our employees, and and to do heavy mess ups with our current community. So I always say, is there, if there's ca- capacity around the tree from a stockholder perspective, employee perspective or community perspective, then, then we can actually do those transactions. But unless, unless we can do it right, we don't need to be doing it. And, and so it's, it's, it's a challenge. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, uh, we're privately held a company. And so, yep. So we kind of earn our way into uh, uh, the, this growth and, and, and uh, we've been fortunate enough just to be able to keep our equity in the company, so there's not a lot of dividends, we just grow as, as the bank makes money. We just reinvested in the organization, reinvested in people and, and customers. And, and so, uh, and I think that's been healthy for us. Uh, I think I see some of my, comp, uh, you know, some of my friends in this business, they've gone public. They get that, you know, that New York, <laughs> Wall Street money and and they just grow, grow, grow for the sake of growing. And and, are they yeah. doing it? and the other thing that that, that, that worries me is uh, we've had, we have opportunities every day to, to do things. But what worries me if we do those and don't do those right, uh, we could not be doing the technology transformation that needs to happen. And so I'm afraid our industry is getting left behind from a technology perspective because we're too focused on growth. And I think we gotta be equally and more focused on that digital transformation for our customers versus just trying to grow for the sake of growing to, to brag about how much we're growing.
0: When you reflect back and you think about the lessons that you're trying to leave for your children about being a leader in business, what are one or two things that, that you hope that you can you know, communicate to your children uh, sort of critical leadership lessons that you've learned? What would be the one or two things that you, know, you, you would want them to really absorb?
1: You know, number no one, do what's right. Every day, just do what's right. Just hold, 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 hold the multiple perspective. And you know, we talk about in, in the company, you know, do what's right for our customers, do what's right for your employees. Yeah, you know, I, mean, I remember years ago, but I love how my dad said he said, "Now, every day, Greg, your loan customers are come in and want to rate a little bit lower than we can afford to give them. Our deposit customers every day want to come in, they want to rate a little bit higher than we can afford to give them. Our employees." Want a salary just a little bit higher than we can afford to pay them, and our stockholders want a little bit higher return than we can, afford, than we can actually give them. And our job every day is to sit here within that imbalance and just do what's right for everyone. And so, doing what's right, you know, having integrity within that is is, is real important. You know, the the uh, and then the second thing uh, I would have to say is just learning. You know, just willing to learn and grow and and kind of keep keep the uh learn i say learner mindset but just be good with not knowing how to do something i mean that's what a learner is right being good with being awkward <laughs> you know and messing up and getting back up and you know and, and trying again and so uh so i think those two things uh integrity and learning
0: love it
2: raj anything else you want to bring up no, I just want to thank Greg. You're such an exemplary leader and you have such a healthy and uh, constructive attitude towards things like growth and profits and reinvestment and caring for all of your stakeholders. So I just want to thank you for being such a wonderful example and a teacher to so many about how to do this and how to do this right with courageous patience and uh, and evolve something beautiful over time. So
1: thank you very much.
2: No, th- thank you, guys. Uh,
1: uh, y'all both have had, had huge impact uh, on me personally, and so uh, I appreciate the work y'all done, and I think I've read every word of every book you've ever written, Raj, and, and so uh, so just just know that your your uh, sweat and tears of the work that you've leaned into over time has had an impact on me, but I believe it's had an impact in every one of these communities that we serve today, and I'd and, uh, love to have have you guys down sometime? And, and, and so you can see uh, the seeds that you've planted.
0: Well, thank you, Greg. Really appreciate your time and your thoughtfulness today. And also, thank you to our listeners that uh, I, if you've enjoyed this podcast on whatever channel you're listening to, please hit the subscribe button. And if you're listening on um, iTunes, please go over and give us a rating and leave us some comments or thoughts on anything that may have come. Up for you in the course of this of this podcast, and as always, thank you to Max and Maria for the production team that makes this possible every week. Thank you, Tech Sounds, for all that you do for us, and Raj. Last words.
2: Yes, and I'd like to thank and acknowledge the Conscious Enterprise Center at Tecnológico de Monterey uh, for uh, supporting this podcast and for work that we're all collectively uh, doing there.
0: Well, thank you all, and we'll look forward to having you next week.